0: Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Well, he sent the multitudes away, and when he he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down onto the boat, he walked, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and begin, beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, Jesus, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. So those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret. And the man of the place recognized him. He sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. As many that touched it were made perfectly well.
1: Hello again. Thank you, Miss Fry. Thank you, kids. Thank you, Sharon, for uh, taking over the choir there. Um, thank you, Cindy, Richie, and Laura Williams. I don't know that Cindy's here, but she has been doing a great job with the Wednesday night Faith, Hope, Love stuff. So thank you to all of you lovely people. And thank you to you guys, the wonderful, beautiful congregation, um, for being here and encouraging these kids. As they sing, you are a great congregation. There are a few really terrifying words to hear when you're in middle school and high school. Now, many of you probably didn't hear the first one. Um, I just want to be friends. That was, that's probably the top of my list. Was um, That was terrifying. I heard it way too often. Um, the second one that I think applies to all of us, although maybe you weren't terrified by it. Was a pop quiz this morning. Pop quiz. I hated those days. Now, the pop quiz, I'm not a teacher, um, so I don't know if the teachers in here have a better perspective. I don't think the pop quiz was for the teachers, it was for you to realize that you needed to prepare because one day there wasn't going to be a quiz, there was going to be a test. And you needed to be prepared for the test before the test came. So here's a pop quiz to make sure that you're prepared when it comes instead of staying up, you know, like 26 hours the day before a test that you haven't prepared for, which happens sometimes. So, pop quiz. It's terrifying. And that is kind of the situation that the disciples found themselves in in this story. Sometimes I feel like it's a situation we can find ourselves in. Sometimes, you are in a trial that God sent you into. I don't know where that lands with you guys uh, this morning. The disciples, we just saw the kids do the video. We just heard Audrey read about it. The disciples, they just, by the way, got done helping Jesus feed 5,000 men plus women and children. So probably fifteen to 20,000 people. With five, it says five loaves and two fish, but it wasn't really loaves of bread like we think now. It was more like, I mean, it was a sandwich for a little boy. It was like lunch for a little boy. So with a little boy's lunch, they helped Jesus feed 15,000 people. Like They literally handed out the food to them. I mean, they didn't multiply it, but they handed it out, so they got to play a part. And then they just collected the 12 basketfuls of leftovers. They saw this awesome miracle. And immediately jesus sends them out well he dismisses the crowd he says all right guys i want you to go ahead across the lake by yourselves good luck and while they're on the boat about halfway through their distance a storm comes up and they got to be thinking what what did we do wrong did we miss here god did did he not tell us to get in this boat and go across by ourselves i mean is this a test was he really wanting us to wait him to come because we've already seen Jesus calm the storm so maybe if Jesus was in the boat with us we wouldn't have the storm we wouldn't have the trial who knows a pop quiz he wanted to see what they were going to do without it and the same thing that's true for the disciples in this story can be true for us sometimes you're in a trial you're in a storm that Jesus sent you into the middle of it wasn't an accident Jesus knew exactly he was doing so maybe you felt called to uh, try a different career pursue a different calling and you've started it you've started that pursuit and it is not what you thought it would be there are a lot more obstacles than you thought would have maybe it doesn't pay as much as you would hope that it would pay like God did I hear God wrong is this not those are just bad pizza I had one night and then had a weird dream? Or maybe you felt compelled, like God gave you a message for somebody else. And so you prayed about it and, and were convinced, okay, this is from God. God wants me to tell this person this thing. And so you shared the message that you thought was from God in the best way that you knew how. And they did not thank you for that message from God. They did not take it the way you hoped. Maybe they've even cut you off from their life and said, don't talk to me ever again. Like God, but what? What? maybe you're just in the middle of a trial that God sent you into. Maybe it's not an accident. And if you're in that situation, by the way, it's not the end. God can still move in that. Maybe He just wanted to see you're going to be faithful with this first step. Once you take that first step, maybe He'll give you another. Obeying God doesn't guarantee an easy life it is easy in the church to wrap Christianity over the American dream it looks good but really we just want the big house the picket fence we just want life on easy street and that's not what happens in our faith our faith is one of people that have faced difficulties and trials and those difficulties and trials were not from disobedience and sin actually some of the trials came because they were obedient and faithful to God you think about the story of Daniel in the lion's den what happened evil men were really jealous of Daniel they wanted his position so they said we need to really search out and find a way that we can trap Daniel so they searched and searched and, search, and they couldn't find anything that he did wrong. So they said, we have an idea. We need to make up a law, and then he'll do that wrong. And so they made up a law that said, you can't pray to anybody but the king. And they took it to the king, and the king was like, yeah, that sounds great to me. I'll take all that, yeah, sure. Not realizing, hey, uh, your buddy Daniel, who's in a really high position, is not going to follow that. So what does Daniel do? I mean, it would be really easy for him just to say, you know what? I'm just going to take a moment of silence in the mornings now and not go Right? And just go and hide and, and still pray in secret. No, he still went in front of his window and did the same thing he had done all the days before. Before it was illegal, he did the same thing. He prayed in front of the window facing Jerusalem just like he always did. And what did he get for it? god saved him kind of still got thrown in the lion's den with a bunch of hungry lions god didn't save him from the lion's den god saved him through the lion's den it's daniel 6 if you think about daniel chapter 3 with his three friends shadrach meshach and abednego the king nebuchadnezzar again he sets up this really tall idol and he decides hey I think it'd be really cool if every time you hear the band play the band's awesome every time you hear the band play you bow down and worship this really big statue I think that'd be awesome everybody in the country bowed except for Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and the king when he gave him a second chance he said guys I don't know if you heard me right here's the the big, big statue you hear the music play you bow down that's all there is to it but if you don't do it I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And then what god will be able to save you from my hand? I love that foreshadowing, by the way. I mean, it's just a great question to ask. And I love their answer. And by the way, it it says that all three of them answered the same way. They knew this was a possibility. They had talked about it. So they said in unison, this is the answer. King no disrespect it doesn't matter how many times a man plays we are not bowing down to your statue and the God we serve is able to save us from your hand and he will save us but even if he does not we still won't bow down for your statue so what did God do God saved them from the fiery furnace Kind of. They still had to get thrown in the fiery furnace that was so hot that even the soldiers that threw them in the fiery furnace died from the fiery furnace. They threw them in, and what happened? A fourth figure, many people believe it was Jesus before he had come to earth, walked around in the fire with them. The fire was hot enough to burn off the ropes, but it wasn't hot enough to do any damage even to their hair. When they came out of the fire... They didn't even smell like smoke. You've been to a bonfire. You can't go within like 100 yards of a fire and not smell like smoke. And yet they come out smelling pristine. Did God save them from the fiery furnace? He saved them through the fiery furnace, but they still had to go through it. You can go on and on and on throughout many stories of the heroes of the faith. Paul who wrote most of the New Testament life was going great for him before he met Jesus I mean he was like on the who's who been on Time magazine like the hundred people to watch under the age of thirty or whatever and everything was going for him. and then he met Jesus and after that he had to run for his life multiple times he was whipped thirty nine times he was shipwrecked he went without food and water Life was not good for Paul. And yet, would he trade it? I don't think so. Obeying God doesn't guarantee an easy life. Undergoing trials gives us a different perspective of Jesus. Now again, the disciples had already seen Jesus calm the storm. That was earlier in Matthew. They're in the boat. They got to be thinking. And if Jesus were just here, he could just calm this thing, right? And if Jesus can calm the storm, surely he can keep the storm from coming if he told us to go across the lake. But instead, Jesus wanted them to know that he couldn't just save them from save them through, just like we talked about. Jesus could prevent the trial that you're facing. But then you wouldn't know his ability to be with you through this trial. You don't know what you don't need until you don't have it. And that could be exactly what Jesus is showing us. Whatever trial we're facing. He's strong enough to save you. Whatever Undergoing trials helps our faith become mature and complete. That's from James 1, 3 and 4. Now if you had a sign-up list... And you can say okay God I want my faith to be mature and complete but I got to go through trials or I'll just take the immature and incomplete faith and no trials just give me the easy street I think a lot of us would just I'm God just let me coast right I'll just coast I'll live an average Christian life right I'll just as long as it's good enough just let, let it be it's good enough but no the no trials right maybe I'll take. The C minus kind of trials, like the easy ones, right, that you know that you can get through on your own. And so I'll maybe not have a mature, mature faith, right? Like I won't be like it'll be like faith-ish, right? Like faith light, like faith is zero. All the faith, none of a fact. Undergoing trials helps our faith become mature and complete. You know, diet and exercise make our bodies healthy everybody knows that like they've done tons of studies and i think all the studies show um if you eat right uh, people might disagree with what right is but if you eat correctly and if you move your body you're gonna be healthier than i am because i don't eat right i eat better than i used to but i still don't i've got a giant sweet tooth that the dentist just can't find and it would be so much easier maybe that's just my trial to bear diet and exercise make our bodies healthy and trials help us work out our faith muscles just kind of how we grow number two even when you don't see Jesus he is still watching you you think about the story we just had this is late at night after they had rode a few miles Jesus still saw them but just because Jesus saw them doesn't mean that they saw Jesus again they're in the middle of the boat it's stormy, it's rocky, the waves are buffeting against them what do we do? they're panicked they've been rowing all night, they haven't had any sleep, this is late at night it's been days they were supposed to go on a peaceful retreat with Jesus that was the plan before the feeding of the five thousand Jesus had just heard that John the Baptist, his cousin, some people think maybe even his rabbi, It's interesting, um, had just been beheaded. And so Jesus wanted to go to a remote place with his disciples. That's the plan. That's what was on the brochure. And they go there, and this crowd sees Jesus. And so Jesus has compassion on them, teaches them, feeds them. All of them. It takes a long time to feed fifteen to 20,000 people. I mean, just think about it doesn't just happen. it's exhausting and then immediately Jesus sends them out in the boat. and the winds come so you can't just sail you know have your feet up relaxing you know, they're rowing that's work sure I've never rowed about it, so I don't know how much work it is but I'm sure it's not easy so again for hours they've been rowing and rowing where is Jesus why is he not here why couldn't he have just said, "Hey, guys, wait for me. I'll meet you there. Give me 20 minutes to dismiss the crowds." I didn't see Jesus, but Jesus was still watching. Dead. And I thought maybe it was miraculous that they were. At, I mean, they were in the middle of like. John says they were probably like three or four miles out. It's like, man, that's crazy. That Jesus was up on a mountain and could see like three to four miles out there. And then I Googled and was like, well, depending on your height and perspective, you know, it's your eyes can see all kinds of things. So I don't know what Jesus' eyesight was like. So maybe he did physically see them rowing the boat, struggling against the waves. Or maybe it's like us, and he just sees you wherever you are, spiritually, and he knows. So if you feel alone, if you feel like you've gone sleepless nights after nights, whatever you're facing, Jesus sees you. He sees you. And maybe you're like, well, Jesus, if you see me, why aren't you doing anything? I can't answer that, but I can tell you, Jesus sees you. The disciples were in the midst of the chaos, but Jesus was on the mountain in peace. The way that works, the lake is the lowest freshwater lake on the earth, the uh, Sea of Galilee. It's the lowest. And you have mountains... To like two thousand feet above sea level, so the wind just whoosh, pushes down there, and that's how it. I mean, there are storms always popping up on the sea galapagos. That's just what happens. But when he's on the mountain and he's looking down, he's above. He sees a peaceful situation. Now you might feel chaotic, but Jesus is still feeling peace. Do you guys know anybody that does cross stitch? couple, go ahead, okay, it's like really pretty on the front side, if you ever stand behind somebody and watch them while they're doing cross stitch, right, it creates a beautiful picture with thread but if you're on the other side of it and you're looking at the back of it, it looks like a hot mess, it's like what in the world are you see all kinds of greens and purples and blues and they're just there right, from our perspective, from the disciples perspective we're what in the world is going on But God is creating a masterpiece out of the mess that we see. And we're not on his side yet to see what he's going to do. But he's going to do something spectacular with the mess that you see. So what was Jesus doing? That was was the question. What in the world was Jesus doing? Jesus was praying. Now again, in, in Jesus' perspective, he had just lost his cousin was just six months older than him just heard that he had been beheaded by herod he wanted to go out in peace with his disciples have a peaceful low retreat weekend the crowds come he had compassion feeds the multitudes then dismisses the crowds um, which by the way the disciples weren't there for but that would not have been easy either because the crowds wanted to make jesus king if you can feed me, that's like check box right here, we know that we're gonna eat all kinds of awesome lobster. Not peanut butter, I'm sure peanut butter would not be on the menu with God's working, right? If you can feed me, elect him right now, right? Don't worry about the economy if you got food in your belly. They want to make him king. So he had to dis- dismiss the crowds that wanted to make him king peacefully. The disciples on the boat, and so finally he goes up on the mountain to pray. Personally, if I had been in the situation he was in, I probably would have gotten up there to sleep. Um, that's why he's the son of God, and I'm just a pastor. Um, sorry, I would like to be more like Jesus, but I also like to sleep. So it's one of those. Jesus was praying. Now a lot of people are like, psych- as I was researching this, Jesus must have been praying for his disciples. Again, Jesus had just been through a lot. So I don't know what Jesus was praying for. He was probably praying for everything. But it is a cool picture to think about. Jesus looking down at his disciples, struggling as they rode the boat. He's cheering on Peter. Like, yeah, way to go, Peter. That's awesome. That's great. Andrew, not bad. You can work on your form, God. No, God, just give them faith. Enough the faith to get through this so I don't have to... Eventually, though, you see, he's okay, well, I need to... Let me stop praying from a distance. Go down to them. We don't know what Jesus was praying for, but we know that Jesus is interceding for you. He may or may not have been praying for the disciples, but he is effectively praying for you. You can see that in Romans 8.34 and Hebrews 7.25. One of those verses actually says that Jesus always lives to intercede for you that's like his life purpose now is just interceding for you there's uh somebody on the ministerium named pastor earl her i don't know if you guys have ever heard earl pray man that he could pray and the way he prays it's like he knows jesus like he he's talked to him. Like already today, like he has this ongoing conversation and he can. So if you ever have a prayer request, right, and you give it to Earl, you know it's getting prayed for and he's like, he's got a direct line, right? He just picks up, hey, Jesus, it's me again, Earl, you, because we just talked like five minutes ago. Um, you know, if you give Earl a request, like it's open handed. If that's how you can feel with people like Earl, her. How much better to know that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for you, whatever situation you're in. God, I've got these kids and they are a hot mess, and I don't know what to do. Like I'm losing my mind; they are making me crazy. God, I do not know what to do. See these kids? I mean, you know what she's doing. God, just help her. Help her get. Oh, for now. God, there's this marriage I'm in, and it's a struggle. And I'm gonna be faithful to my vows. I'm gonna be faithful to you. I wanna follow you and have a godly marriage. But sometimes, right? I just wanna wring my husband's neck, right? Like how many times do I have to ask him to take out the trash? He doesn't take out the trash, and I gotta take out. The trash. That's not all personal, by the way. We, our marriage is fantastic from my perspective. Jesus always lives to intercede you. How awesome should that make you feel? Next, your focus determines your faith. So again, just to summarize the story, which we've heard multiple times now. Jesus sends the disciples on the boat. and They're about four miles out from the shore now rowing, 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 rowing against the wind, water whipping in their face, right, you're probably getting water droplets in there, I don't know how hard it's raining, I don't know if it is raining or if it's just really rocky waves, probably causing some seasickness for normal people, not the disciples are tough, they're fighting through that, been rowing all night, all night, all night, and then they see what they think is a ghost, now again as i'm reading this i'm like how many ghosts have you ever seen in your life why do you think it's a goat like i just at the same time how many people have you ever seen walk on water so i mean just you know it's also the fourth watch of the night so sometime between 3 a.m and 6 a.m and they've probably gone close to 20 24 hours without sleep With how hectic their last day has been. They're exhausted. And they see a figure walking toward them. No idea how close it is. By the way, I was walking my dog this morning at like 7 a.m. And it was like pitch blackout. I was like, what in the world is going on? So who knows what the, I mean, it could have been anything. So don't feel bad for the disciples thinking of those again. They see this figure walking toward them. And as soon as they scream out, it's a ghost, immediately Jesus says, don't worry, guys, it's it's me. And this is just extra credit for you. This is actually the um, ego, I mean statement of Jesus, the I am statement that uh, similar to what Moses, when he was talking to God in Exodus, he asked God his name. God said, I am. That's what Jesus said. So it's another kind of Jesus just opening a little view of his deity again. It's just for extra for you guys this morning I love what Peter said though Jesus if that's really you why don't you call me out there to you I'm just struck by in Genesis when Adam and Eve are hiding in the garden from God right? and God comes and has to look for them. In our fear, do we run to God or do we run from God? You said, God, if, if Jesus, if that's really you, why don't you call me out there? And then would you believe it? Jesus called him out and Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. I have no idea how many steps he took. But I'm sure it wasn't just like a. Right? It wasn't a stumble, right? Because if it's a stumble, then you're not written about in three different Gospels saying that he walked on water, right? He walked on the water. It could have been five steps, 10 steps, 15 steps. He was walking on the water. And then Peter lost his focus. He stops focusing on walking toward Jesus and starts focusing on his environment. I don't know how many steps it took him, but he realized, these waves are really rocky.
0: it. Like,
1: felt bad in a boat, but now I'm like on here, and it's, it's rocking. And the wind is still whipping, and just it getting water in my eyes. It's <laughs> the environment's really bad. Stop focusing on Jesus, focuses on environment. And that's when he starts to sink. So says, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Actually, it, it kind of like if you look into it, it's when Peter saw the strength of the wind. It's so the first, like, how do you see wind, right? But if you're really whipping on water, you can see, man, that wind is really howling. And maybe you're feeling it because you're not in the boat, you know, covered with the... see like, so he's really... I don't know how fast it is, but he's feeling it. He saw the wind, and he was afraid, and he began to sink. No one goes to the donut store to look at donuts. Now, when you do go to the donut store, a lot of times, Krispy Kreme is the best donut store I've ever been to. Um, some of you guys are from the north and maybe have different perspective. Maybe you're really excited about Duncan getting ready to open here sometime. I don't know. Um, Mamie's, obviously still awesome, fantastic donuts. I don't know what kind of display case they have, though, to be honest with you. I don't go to Mamie's a ton, believe it or not. Um, but Krispy Kreme again. Beautiful donuts. And when you go on Krispy Kreme, they have this giant display window where you see the donuts going up and down as they expand, and then they go on the little oil bath, right? And then you got the flipper and they go on that side, cook them, and then they have the waterfall of the creamy, creamy goodness. Have you guys ever been? You guys are like, why do we pay this guy? (laughs) They go under that. And I've always dreamed that I could, like, have enough money to have one of just those waterfalls life-size so I could... (laughs) But I don't go to Krispy Kreme just to watch the donuts, right? You don't, nobody does that. And if you did do that, it's not going to be too long until you leave after having eaten donuts, even if you just went to watch the donuts. Why is that? Because you're looking at the donuts, and you're like, man, that looks delicious, right? And that one's, that one's cream-filled, and it's got chocolate covered. Oh, that would taste so good. If we look at our environment and we stop looking to Jesus, it becomes overwhelming. Maybe you're like, uh, God, what, what what if I followed through with this call that you have on me? What if I followed through and then it didn't work out? What if I followed through and then I'm really bad at what you're calling me to do? Or what if I said yes to Jesus and then he calls me somewhere I don't want to go, right? What if he makes me teach kindergartners? What if? What if? What if? You ask all these what ifs and it just takes your focus away from what God can do. What if it does work out? What if God is offering you a better life than you can ask or imagine or think. What if God is able to work through you? But Peter stops looking at Jesus and he starts to sink. And Jesus says, You of little faith, why did you doubt? That's a good question. I mean, he had made steps on the water. Like he had already seen he was walking on water and somehow he started doubting. But I want to ask why, or not why did Peter doubt, what did Peter doubt? What did Peter doubt? And if you think about those questions, you really only have three options. He could have doubted his ability to walk on water. Peter's own ability to walk on water. But Peter never before had walked on water before. Peter had never woken up one day and said, you know what I think would be cool if I walked across this. He had, that had never crossed his mind. Peter did not have the ability to walk on water. And after this story, never again did he walk on water ever again. In John 21, Jesus comes out to him. He's on a lake. He's fishing. He's like, oh, hey, that's Jesus. And he dives and he swims. He didn't try to run across Peter knew he couldn't walk on water. So that's not what Peter doubted. Um, he could have doubted Jesus' ability to walk on water. But Jesus was walking on water, possibly for three to four miles already to this point. And Jesus is the one that Peter cried out to save him when he was thinking. So Peter did not doubt Jesus' ability to walk on water. What Peter doubted was Jesus' ability to to enable Peter to walk on water. That's what we all struggle with. I think most of us have faith and believe that God can do whatever God decides to do. Maybe unless that involves using us. Right? Maybe, well, God could use anybody. Could he use me? The kindergarten classroom? Can he work through me and my family? Can he work through me and my marriage? Can he work through me to make a better woodwork? If we could do things on our own, it wouldn't take faith. This might be a, a stretch, I don't know. Um, when I was growing up, and still, I'm super shy. I'm super backward. If you feel like I'm being rude to you, I apologize. It's just, I oh, don't anybody want to talk to me anymore. It's just one of those personality things. That's one of those hang-ups. But when I first had the opportunity to get up and preach from a pulpit my first time, and I'm sure it wasn't the greatest sermon in the world, but something happened inside of me. And my mom was there and she was like, holy cow, That's not my son. If I could have, like, worked with youth my whole life and never have preached, then I probably would have been okay with that. But God had different things in mind. And I didn't know until I got up there and did it that I really felt like that's why God put me on the earth, to communicate his message from the pulpit. You don't know what God can do through you until you let Him do it. And if you could do it on your own, then it doesn't take any faith, at least not faith in God. So you don't need to believe that you can do it, but you need to believe that Jesus can do it through you. Jesus can use you to accomplish whatever He wants to accomplish. He used a stick turn into a snake in Moses' hands. He used that same stick when Moses lifted the stick to part of the waters. He can use you. He spoke through a donkey. He can speak through you. He spoke to Moses through a bush. He can speak through you. I also feel like Peter gets a bad rap, all right? Like Jesus asking him you little faith why did you doubt it's like, well, jesus i got out of the boat right and again we have no idea how far across the lake he was how far from the boat he was how did peter get back to the boat right did jesus like pick him up and carry him right like Did Jesus give Peter a piggyback ride? Is it sacrilegious to call the... Or did Peter walk back on the same water that he walked to get to Jesus to get back in the boat? Sometimes we... uh we get little snapshots, right? Like if we just took a snapshot of Peter at this moment when he's sinking, you have little faithful. What a beautiful guy. And I feel like we kind of dwell there too, right? When we mess up, when we screw up, when we think, Okay, God, I'm gonna take the step of faith, I'm gonna follow you, and we sink immediately, we're like, Man, we're just, we're just a big failure. Right? Painting one painting doesn't make you a painter. And baking one cake doesn't make you a baker. Failing one time to follow Jesus doesn't make you a failure. God can still work through you. Look at how many times he had to correct Peter. And then eventually Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost and like thousands come to Jesus. He can use anybody. Get rid of the snapshot. Look at the video. Zoom out a little bit and realize God can use you even when you have failed. Keep persisting in your faith. A little faith in a big God leads to limitless possibilities. Again, Jesus said, "Peter, you of little faith," but He didn't say, "You of no faith." Right? The disciples were in the boat; probably had no faith. Peter is the only one that opened his mouth and said, "Jesus, I'll come to you if you call me." You of little faith. And yet, that little faith had helped him walk on water. Anybody here done that before, by the way? All right, so it's just him and Jesus. That's pretty good, pretty good company. Elsewhere, Jesus had said, with faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. He said, nothing will be impossible for you. What matters isn't the size of our faith, but the size of our God. A couple of stories as we finish up. There's a businessman who had to travel to a small town for a meeting. So he uh, booked a flight on a Cessna, just a small twin engine. His wife was super duper looking forward to, to going to this trip until she found out that he was flying on a Cessna. And so she said, honey, I'm, I'm not going. He said, well, why not? You've been looking forward to this and I'm not flying on that Cessna. Plane's too small. He said, no, your faith is too small. She said, no, the plane is too small. I'm not flying on the Cessna. He really wanted his wife to go with him, so he he canceled the Cessna flight, and he booked on a major airline to go on this trip. And so she went with him. The object of her faith determined how much faith she decided to have, because as soon as he booked travel on the major airline, His wife went with him as she put it her faith grew because the size of the plane grew you don't have too little faith you have too little of you of what god can do through you so what step of faith is god calling you to take this week when the disciples watched peter walk on the water to jesus their faith would have grown They knew Jesus could do amazing things, but they were again seeing that Jesus could do amazing things in and through normal people. So whatever step of faith God is calling you to take this week, he can use your obedience to put himself on display. He can use your obedience in taking that step and help someone else's faith grow. A blonde girl one day was caught in a fire on the 10th floor of a building. She could make her way to a window, but she couldn't see anything. She felt the heat and smelled the smoke of the fire. Then she heard a fireman yell, jump, jump. She screamed back, I'm too scared to jump. I can't see. The fireman said, if you don't jump, you're going to die. Take the risk and jump. It's bad enough for us if we were to jump from 10 stories high, but to jump when you can't see where you're jumping, that's terrifying. But in the midst of the chaos and confusion, she heard another voice. Darling, jump. I've got you. She smiled and said, okay, Daddy, I'll jump. Jesus Christ is inviting us to jump. He knows we're nervous, but just jump. He knows you're scared. Just jump. Remember, we're talking about your Daddy. We're talking about somebody you know. You've seen what he can do. Let's pray. God, I continue to be amazed at how you are able to do amazing things through normal people. In situations that everybody else is terrified of, God, when they focus on you, you continue to move. So God, I pray that this morning we would fix our eyes on you. We would focus on you. Whatever trial we might be facing, God, I just pray that you would move through it. God, that we would, again, just fix our eyes on you in the midst of it. Whatever else is going on beside or behind us, God. Let us fix our eyes on you. God, I pray you would move through this church, through this community. In Jesus' name, amen.